This, this, this is, 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 is. Fight Disciples. Welcome to podcast episode number 747. We are the Fight Disciples. This is your boxing preview for the weekend ahead. Before we get stuck in, please subscribe to us. You can do it via our website, fightdisciples.com. There's audio feeds and there is a visual feed there. And there's also a link to our shop where we're selling plenty of Fight Disciples merchandise. Get your hands on some of that stuff. Wrap it round your neck, wrap it round your head, wrap it round whatever you want to wrap it round uh, and become a part of the Fight Disciples family. We also sell beer. So if you like a drink, and obviously the weather's a little weather's a little bit all over the place, actually, at the moment. I was going to say mm-hmm. the weather's banged on, but it's not. Every now and again, I keep getting the... I feel like I'm in Florida. Like mm-hmm. it's red hot one minute, and then it just gets all torrential. Is it like that over your gaff? Well, we only live, you know... 20 miles, 30 miles away. Yeah, but you've got a microclimate going on. It's not like a microclimate. You do. It's not like a weird thing going on over there. It's not like the M62 represents the Pennines or, you know, the fucking, some kind of mountain range. It is just a straight run. But yes, exactly the same way. And I tell you what, it's causing havoc with me garden, pal. Me garden's gone mental. Everything's growing at a million knots. Well, obviously the weeds are as well. So just old man chat this, isn't it? Weed disciples. Well, there's, there's two ways that show could go. But yeah, at the moment my garden's gone mental. Thank God I've got chickens to uh, keep it keep it down, keep it checked in a little bit. I thought Does you were releasing. I thought you were releasing some more podcasts this week. There's uh, there's a few fight disciples got onto me that have uh, have been a little bit upset that you haven't done RuPaul disciples. Uh, what else was what else were you talking about doing this week? Uh, we were talking about Glasto disciples. We could yeah, have done Glastonbury. this week. Could yeah, have done Glasto yeah. disciples. Um, well, my life right now is getting this car fixed. So garage recycles. Well, there's probably that's probably already been done by Dave or something like that. Um, yeah. Well, we buried one of the chickens this week. I forgot to mention that, didn't I? Another one of the one's chickens. It. One of the chickens passed over. Yeah. So it's actually me cock. Me cock's gone. So, but the good thing is, you don't need a cock to produce eggs. There you go. There's there's one for the woke crowd out there. You don't need a cock to produce eggs. And that was informed to me by members of this community. So thank you. So I will not be replacing my cock. He's dead. He's gone. He's gone to the coop in the sky. So I will be cock free for the rest of my chicken farming days. No cock required. I think the new I think the new neighbours will be over the moon actually, because they the way the houses are laid out, they're bedroom they the back of their house is closer to the the chicken coop area than than our house so uh they must be over the moon that he's not up singing and dancing every morning which he used which he used to be so uh the neighbor's got a little the neighborhood's a little bit quieter the hens are a bit subdued no one's trying to mount them 24 7 but uh yeah poor lucky poor lucky his luck ran out unfortunately but i didn't uh, i didn't i didn't registrate this one it was uh, it was it was sadder than that. He, he he took himself off and basically died in the corner for a for a twenty four hours. So I didn't think he was fit for human consumption. So we had a burial over the bin. I'm looking forward to the memes that come off that little speech that you've just given there. <laughs> you know what our crew's like? They'll be absolutely lapping that up, going, "Oh, here we go, beautiful." Nick Peaks just provided <laughs> us with some absolute gems. Let's get stuck in. <laughs> <laughs> Jane was on a Zoom. Jane was on a Zoom call to work the other day, and uh, I come back from dropping the kids off, and she was mid-flow chatting away, and I just popped my head in the door. And was like, and obviously, I knew what I was doing. Put me in the door, and said, "How's your cock this morning?" <laughs> uh, she died of shame. Hilarious. It's my job. When you ma- when job. you get married, your job is not only to be a loyal supporter and partner and everything else. It's also to, you know, torment your partner for the rest of their lives, psychologically, in a fun way. In a fun mm. way. I've not gone full Andrew Tate. In a fun way. Fucking hell, geez, you are. What are you doing to us today? <laughs> jeez. Oh, dear. Right. Yeah, please, <laughs> please don't post that anyway. Right, here we go. Let's get into the boxing, shall we? Yes, please. Um, A bit of action this weekend, a few world title fights, uh, and there's an interesting one going on in New York City where I 
personally raised an eyebrow when uh, Matchroom decided to sign Edgar Belanger. You know that, obviously, I've been high on Edgar Belanger. I'm, I brought him to the Fight Disciples' attention a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll we'll um, get stuck into him probably at the end. We'll use him last because I want to talk about um, probably the fight of the weekend first and foremost. We're off to Japan, ladies and gentlemen. We're off to Japan, that's right. It is Joshua Franca taking on uh, Kazuta Ioka uh, for the WBO Super Flyweight Championship of the World. Franco's an interesting dude, isn't he? Right? <laughs> last <laughs> nine fights, he's only fought four dudes. <laughs> he loves a rematch. There's Joshua Franco. He's had trilogies galore. This is obviously a rematch off the back of uh, the draw, uh, the first time round. And it was, listen, it's, it wasn't contentious at all. I think we had one card in favour of Franco and two 114, 114s, didn't we? It was a great fight. Very nip and tuck, very tight uh, knock. Uh, and this one, this is why they're running it back. And I'm delighted that they're running it back because I enjoyed the first fight. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Draw. Because you think it's going to be a draw again? Yeah. It's Franco, isn't it? All his fights end in draws. He's had, he's had the maddest world title reign ever, hasn't he? Yeah. What did he have? He had three fights with Andrew Maloney. Uh, yeah. Two wins and a no contest sandwiched in the middle of that because uh, I think there was a cut in that one. And then he had yeah. the three ones with uh, Oscar Negrete. Negrete. <laughs> was that? Was that, two, was that two split two draws and a win? And one split decision win, <laughs> which was contentious. So they did it again and it was a draw the third time. <laughs> He is yeah. the king of the draws, like. Yeah, listen. Yeah, and he just does enough uh, to keep hold of his belt. He just does enough. And to be fair, Ioka, I, I know that Ioka's, I think he's slightly older than him. I think he's about 33, 34 years of age now, Ioka, isn't he? Um, yeah. But he's only he's got he's been defeated twice in his career, and those have and those have both been split decisions. Yeah. So the so the both that that style of fighter, they're both all action, they're both very front foot, they're both form box type vibes. You come to me and you don't have to go looking for either of them. So the styles do mix for a very entertaining watch. That's what I got out of the first fight. Um, and, and you know, I'm I'm quite happy that they're rolling it back again. With all due respect to the division, mm-hmm. I know that uh, Bam came to play for a very short period of time. And we do have some, let's just say, older states oh, guys. Yeah, there you go, yeah. Correct. I was trying to be diplomatic about it. There's, there are... The newer, fresher talent, when we're talking about name value on a worldwide scale, isn't necessarily there. And these are the guys. These are, these are the guys. So therefore, if they want to fight each other every single week and provide great entertaining fights, then I'm all for it because it's kind of the drum that we're banging in other divisions, isn't it, mate? You know? Yeah. Why don't you have a fight? And if it's close, why don't we have another fight? And if that's close, mm-hmm. what? I've no problem with that. I've no problem with the best guys fighting the best guys. Franco and Ioka. For me, and there's another one in this division uh, that's happening. Uh, I'm a big fan of Martinez. He's got a fight this weekend, which I'm intri- intrigued about. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but I've no problem with these guys uh, rolling it back and going again because I don't see where the other, at the moment, I mean, though, I'm sure there will be when people like maybe Sonny Edwards steps up and, and uh, Bam comes back or whatever. I, I, I just don't see where the other options were at this time for these two guys. Yeah, it's an unusual decision because... The, the the blurring of the lines between the, the guys who've been there, done it, and the icons of the division and the next generation seem to be quite segregated at the moment. Bam came in and kind of like, way lit fires Sheesh. everywhere and then fucked off again. But obviously, yeah. you've still got this is still a division that's home to Estrada and Chocolatito yeah. and yeah. Uh, Rung Versailles. They're still around, as far as I know. They haven't retired just yet. They haven't got fights mm-hmm. booked just yet, but they they seem to be focusing on one another, whereas you've got the rest of them where you've got the Ioka and the Nakatani's and the uh, Franco's and, and the Maloney's and people like that uh, are going at it. But the, the thing is that no one out of that pack is breaking through and going, I'm the fucking guy. Get me a Chocolatito. Get me a Rung side, Get me an Estrada. Let me define my legacy as the greatest super flyweight. No one's able to break out of that pack and, and do it. Because they are just so well matched. And I think in this weight class, you need to be either a freak like Chocolatito to really capture the attention of, you know, Nicaragua, a, a nation that's got famous boxing history, but it's not deep rooted in mm-hmm. boxing history. There's two or three icons, of course, but it's not like it's a conveyor belt of champions like Mexico or the US or 
or, or, or even Japan in these weight classes. So it's easier for him to capture the attention of a nation. It's more difficult for these other guys when there is icons in other weight divisions. So you either have to do it incredibly well and consistently over a long period of time, or you've got to have the magic touch. That's that's the key to being a big ticket seller, to make, becoming a multi-millionaire, because you know, at the end of the day, every fighter turns over probably initially to become a world champion. But once you understand the game and you understand the politics of boxing, you then realize, get in, get out, faculties intact, as much money in the fucking bank account as possible. Because the game ain't set up for every boxer to win. So 0.1% becomes a, a multi-millionaire. The rest are lucky to make a living that will see them to the end of their days. And in these lighter weight divisions, it's more difficult than any other weight class to generate the kind of interest. Now, of course, they're blessed by the fact that Japan, there isn't a society of six-foot men. So the smaller weight divisions in places like Japan, South Africa, parts of Mexico, have always had success in the flyweights, but they don't capture the attention of the mainstream audience. And that's what these guys have got to do. That's what Ioka's got to do. That's what Nakatan, Maloney, you've got to break out of this flyweight world and get the garner the attention. Look at Inoue is the perfect example. Inoue would not be, could not be ignored, would not be ignored because he's got the death touch. He's the most fascinating, one of the most fascinating fighters in world boxing today because mm. look at the fucking size of him. And yet, if he clipped a horse on a chin, he'd probably lay the horse out. He's got freakish power, freakish power. And that has absolutely captured the attention of the Japanese audience and now the global audience. There's a reason why Top Rank signed him. The reason why it's only COVID that slowed down his progression to become a global superstar. So <clears throat> that's why this super flyweight division, it may not be the most glamorous division, even though there's one or two marquee industry names there. But that's the challenge that's ahead of mm. these guys. But it's difficult, as Ioka's entire career has proved. Mm. Franco's, Franco's career. Franco's career has proved he's the fucking rematch king. He has to be. He has to fight everyone three times because they're all these guys at the very top. Aside from the three icons, they're all so very well matched, but not one of them has got the power to go. Boop, good night. You back in the draw again, then? Back in the draw. <laughs> it's the fight of the weekend. I know that. Obviously, you're 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 there. You're talking about that. You're talking about the star that comes through the division and breaks into the upper echelons of, of those higher statesmen of, of the division, aren't we? But as a fight, listen, I ain't going to moan about it, man. As a competitive fight, as, as something that could go either way, this is a fantastic, fantastic fight. Absolutely must watch if you can get a feed for it. Uh, Franco versus uh, Ioka for the WBA, WBA uh, super flyweight title uh, rematch. We might as well talk about the other super flyweight um, one because this might be the one, actually. This might be the one because you've got Fernando Daniel Martinez taking on mm -hmm. uh, Jed Bonilla. Um, now, everybody knows about Martinez. He's the guy that battered Anjayas. There's another one, right? Mm -hmm. Anjayas could have been the guy because he had a little bit of a touch about him, didn't he? But then um, Martinez comes along, boxes beautifully. Um, in the in their two fights, they've had rematches as well. Mm -hmm. So he co he comes through um, and puts wide points uh, decisions victories uh, over Ankaias. Snaffles himself this IBF belt, looks a million dollars in doing it. But you look at his opponent this weekend now. Bonilla, don't get me wrong, you don't know too much about him. He's not been in with what you would class as elite level competition, but he's got a decent percentage knockout rate against some decent lads. I'm not talking top lads, but decent lads. He's got a decent thing there. He's at the Philippines. He's got one of them baby faces. You look mm -hmm. at him and you think to yourself, I've kind of seen this from the Philippines before. A few of you lot coming through and just then yeah. lighting up these lower weight level. divisions. Yeah, it could be. You don't, listen, I'm not backing it because I've seen Martinez more than I've seen Boneo and, uh, I, th I think Martinez is a really good boxer. I think he could just outbox him this weekend and get himself a, a points decision and hold on to his IBF championship. But you just don't know. You just don't know. And this is, a again, it's an interesting fight because you've got a great boxer against a kid with a decent high percentage knockout rate. Can Benea land on him? And if he can and light it up, then all of a sudden the conversation that you've just been having, ooh, you start to get a little bit twitchy then, don't you? You think to yourself, okay, then, right. So he's now got the IBF belt. Do you put him in with the winner of the... 
Franco Ioka fight. Mm-hmm. What happens there? And if the guy lights them up, then you've got the breakthrough guy, ain't you? Yeah, and I think that's what that's what it needs. It needs a little mini tournament, a little unification tournament, just to bring this super flyweight class together. And then, of course, as you say, you've got you've got options on the other side of the page where the the, the three established stars are. Um, I don't know enough about Bornea to be honest with you. I've only seen yeah. highlights of him. Uh, his, his entire career pretty much has been in the Philippines, so it's impossible to really to judge the level that he's been at. Um, he's got a lot of knockouts, a lot more knockouts than Martinez, who again, as you, you're right, fantastic boxer, um, but really couldn't punch his way out of a wet paper bag. But there's a lot of that in this weight class. There's a lot of that yeah. because it, you know, knocking somebody out when, especially with the speed that's involved here as well, the reflexes that's involved in these flyweight divisions. You know, even if you throw a bomb, your chances of landing it are few and far between because people are so nimble, they're so mm. quick, they're so small that they're able to slip and move at almost fucking blink of an eye speed. So that's what makes it so difficult. That's why when you do get a puncher emerging out of these weight classes, like in a new way, it's something incredibly special because the power's there, but the speed is there as well. And the speed of thought is there and the traps are there and the skill is there. So yeah, I think there's a bit, it, it, it's a, it's the super flyweight weekend. I don't think it'll generate a ton of eyeballs. I don't think there's a ton of people enamored by these weight classes just yet, but mm. that's up to Martinez and Bonilla and Franco and Ioka to break through and to create a moment when boxing is having a, I wouldn't say a quiet weekend, but there ain't a ton of big marquee fights on to be able to go viral and generate clicks and go, oh, go, okay, that guy's interesting. Mm. Um, and there's a big opportunity there for him. I, I, you know, in the first fight, Franco Ioka, seriously, I, I think it'll end the draw or the split decision either way. Um, mm. But I think I think Martinez is, you've got a fancy Martinez here. He's got yeah, a lot of experience. He's boxed in a lot of places. You know, he's boxed all over South America. He's had a lot of fights in the US, Mexico. He's well-traveled. He's beaten quality opposition to become a world champion as well. So Bonet is up against it, man. But as you've just said, you never rule out a guy that's 18 and 0 with 16 knockouts because you just don't know. Just because he's been at a certain level doesn't mean yeah, that he yeah. can't step up a level. Yeah. This is the I best agree. card, by the way. This this mini yeah, Adamez card. card. Yeah, because you've got Carlos Adamez versus Julian Williams uh, at the, in the middleweight division. That's an interesting fight for Adamez. Good step up for him. Can I just moan about that for a second? Can I just moan about that for a second? Right. The reason why I want to moan about it, right? And I put this out on our uh, our Twitter this week. Um, This week saw the anniversary of the last time that we saw the WBC middleweight championship belt being defended by Mr. Charlo. We spoke about it on last week's show, didn't we? 19th of June, uh, 2021 was the last time he was in the ring defending the championship belt. Carlos Adamez became the WBC interim champion last October and we're still here defending interim championship belts. It's, it's not good enough. Either shit or get off the pot. Now, I know that there's lots of chat about Charlo going up in weight because we think that he's going to be fighting uh, Canelo. Well, if that's the case, let's upgrade, let's upgrade this. Let's fucking have this as a proper world championship. Let's have this as, you know... You're holding the division up and you're holding people's careers up. Adam S is yeah. well within, you know, deserving of a full world title. Yeah. yeah, okay, you brought in the interim title because of inactivity. But now what What are we? We're fucking nine months on and we're still defending an interim championship. Yeah. Come on, let's fucking get this sorted. Anyway, the fight itself... Listen, Carlos Adamez, I'm a fan of him. I think Julian Williams has got a really weird career, hasn't he? He's, mm-hmm. he, he's got he's some got great that, signature wins on there. Mate, he's got that great win over Hurd. But then yeah. you look, with hindsight, you look at that and you look at where Jared Hurd's gone recently and you think, was it all that good? Or was Hurd just on a cr- bit of a crest of a wave at that particular point and then got found out? I don't know. He got knocked out by Charlo, didn't he? Oh, by the way, all this is at 154. This is a 160 fight. He's only had one fight at 160, he, and that was his last fight of which he of which he won. And he finds himself in this uh, because of name value, I suppose, that he's got himself an opportunity with Carlos Adamis. He's lost two of his last three. I fully anticipate Adamis to come through 
uh, and do the business this weekend. I'm just pissed off that this particular belt in this particular division seems to be held ransom by a fellow that hasn't fought for two years and defended it. And his next fight is going to be at 168. So he's like, come on, fucking sort it out, man. Uh, again, I don't, I don't want to talk any more about our, our position on the Charlo boys because they're holding up two weight divisions. It's absolutely ridiculous. But I think this is a good fight for Adam Ez in the meantime. It's not the fight that he wants. Well, he, we can't, want. he can't do anything. It he should can't be for do the anything because title. the other fella's not fighting. He can't do anything, can he? It should be for the Feel full for world title. Mm. But if it was for the full world title, then I'd have more issue about Julian Williams being in the opposite corner, of course. Yeah. But it's a mark and time fight, unfortunately. And this is... Shitty as it is, this is how boxing works. You know, I don't want to start fucking screaming, shouting, and getting upset about it anymore because it's to be expected. Unfortunately, it's up to the WBC and fucking Solomon to get his finger out of his ass and get these Charlo boys moving. Um, because it's not fair on the likes of Adamez, it's not fair on everybody else in the middleweight division. Um, Erickson Lubin, former world champions, also on this undercard as well. Caleb Truax. Uh, another title contenders also on this card. Some good name value on this card as well. I think they're both in fights that they should win and should come through and should be able to rebuild towards something else in 2024. <clears throat> but yeah, the name value for me is in Minneapolis. But it's all about the super flies. Sorry, I was just, you just said... Um, you see, because you see, our, our, our squad who listens to the show, you know that they get... Uh, Pernickety about uh, facts. World title challenger, Ericsson Lubin. Did I say, oh, sorry, I first said world title challenger both. Did I yeah, say I've got, mate, got to be on it. Yeah. Got to be on it this week. Two world title contenders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But again, he's, an, he's another interesting one because I was high on him because he had the touch of death. He was coming through and then obviously he ran into some elite level opposition at 154 and he just fell short on a couple of occasions, didn't he? But I like the way that he's dusted himself off, Ericsson Lubin. He's, you know, you see a lot of these guys, they get to the top, they fall short, and then they fuck off. You don't see him for ages, do you? And you don't, you don't ever see him really rise again. This guy's yeah. gone and he's put the work in and he's he's having a go. I, I kind of like the rebuild of Ericsson Lubin. It's going to be interesting to see um, when his, his next shot comes. Yeah. But again, I agree with what you said a minute or two ago regarding this card. Um, I think this Showtime card's probably uh, the best one of the weekend when you're looking at name value competition. Mm. I'm really interested in that super flyweight fight you know, because I, I, yeah, I'm the, crying I'm, I'm crying out for someone to to do something big in this division. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the both both super flyweight world title fights in two different locations. Yeah, yeah. Are the marquee fights there's big mo <clears throat> again big moments there for the winners to come through, call each other out and then work towards something a bit special. I think Adamez has got a little bit, well, you would associate it with a layup, but Julian Williams as we know can turn up and can do the business. <clears throat> Lubin's got a bit of a layup to get back into title contention. And Caleb Truax, who was a world champion, sorry, he beat yeah. James the Gale, if you remember. That's why we yeah. all remember him for. He lost it in his first defense. Uh, he's taken on a guy who's 6 2 and 1. So, you know, let's let's not get enamored by this card too much, fuck's sake. No, I'm polishing it because the rest of it, there's not much else. Anyway, do you want to go to New York? Is that where we're going next? Uh, yeah, before we do, quick mention that Michael Hunter is back boxing over actual yes. more than one round after his forays with the fight combat league or whatever. Um, we've seen him a bunch of times over there, didn't we? In the TCL, <clears throat> he's been quite active in that tournament where you go in, you fight one round, you might have two or three one rounders over the course of a night. It's city versus city. It's all very strange. There's very few knockouts. But anyway, Michael Hunter's back doing the proper stuff this weekend in Massachusetts. He's taking on Donnie Palmer, who's 12-3-1. Hunter, of course, 21-2. That only loss came down at cruiserweight against the great Alexander Usyk. He is obviously campaigning as a heavyweight. I think there's great fights and big fights out there for Michael Hunter. But he seems to be a guy that never gets a mention. You know, we I've seen fucking quotes... That Eddie had come out with the other day talking about Anthony Joshua and Big Baby Miller might be on the cards again. Why? Why, Eddie? Why? Well, did he? Did Eddie say that about, as he mentioned well, Big I've Baby seen Miller? Those, I apologize. I apologize. I seen that comment attributed to Eddie Hearn. I apologize, Eddie. Uh, no, I th Hopefully yeah, it I've, did I've, not come out of your lips. No, I don't, I don't think he has done, mate. I think what has Good. happened is. 
people are smelling an opportunity because there's a lot of, listen, online, you can write anything and people just fucking believe it, don't they? And then they run with it and they retweet it and then it just becomes fact. There's a lot of bullshit on there. What, what I think has happened here is that people have, obviously, they're looking at Anthony Joshua and Eddie Hearn has said, we're looking at August. August 12th is what we're looking for for Anthony Joshua, aren't we? And the noise was Dillian White. Then you have this story that comes out that Dillian White's asking for $10 million and all this type of stuff. No, he's not. He's not. They are, listen, they're, away, they're miles away from each other when it comes to what they have as value. But people have just made a figure up, chucked it out there, and everybody's now starting to believe it. And this is, and then a new story thread comes on. Now, it's highly likely that Anthony Joshua Dillian White won't materialize for August 12th. Money is part of the conversation as to why it won't happen. But the money figures that have been floated around in the internet are absolute bullshit. Now, obviously, Joshua needs an opponent. Yeah. Um, and Dimitri there's loads Salita of. it was. Dimitri yeah, Salita. Salita, Salita's Miller's guy. He has put Miller forward. There you go. To face Anthony Joshua. I apologize, Mr. Hearn. It was, uh, it was Dimitri Salita. You're right. It was his own guy. So there you go, right? So now, obviously, everybody's licking the chops, thinking, Anthony Joshua's available. He needs an opponent. Last minute, August 12th. So everybody's sticking their fucking oars in, aren't they? Now, I am confident. Well, I say confident. But I would I would like to think that Eddie N is not going to be taking Jared, uh, Gerald Miller up on his offer and putting him in with uh, Anthony Joshua for obvious reasons, right? Um, I saw... Um, I've seen loads of different names connected with it. Ajit Kabayel is a name that's been uh, connected with it, who's a top 15 ranked fighter in in some sanctioning bodies. There's, listen, if Joshua... I wouldn't be, I w- the point I brought it up is I wouldn't be against Michael Hunter. I wouldn't be against Michael oh, Hunter fighting. This is why we got into this conversation, didn't we? Now, yeah. I'm taking full credit as to why Michael Hunter's back out this weekend, right? And the reason why I'm taking full credit is because exactly what you just said there, right? He was a guy that was not being spoken about and it baffled me a little bit. So I phoned him up and I got him on TalkSport a couple of weeks ago. Come and join us. Come and have a chat. Why are you in this fucking combat league for crying out loud? Why aren't you having proper fights? We had this full conversation. He said, mate, listen, I ain't got a promoter. I ain't got this. I'm being overlooked for this. Uh, It's just not happening. A week later, he signs with Reyes Boxing, right? So I'm taking full credit of that. So (laughs) so So we put him on the radio. A week later, he gets a phone call. He's now got himself a promoter. A week after that, Bosch, he's now got himself a proper fight. Now we're moving in the right direction for Michael Hunter. So 5%, Mike, whenever you're ready, if you want to send it towards the Fight Disciples, that'll be absolutely tremendous. In fact, keep it for now. When you get the AJ fight, then send us 5%. We'll take it. We'll take it then. All right? But you are 100% right. Michael Hunter, who has, you know, we look at the level of opposition that he's fought in the past. Um... Look at the performances that he's put in in the past. Mm. He is absolutely perfect for a lot of those guys that have got Correct. hard-ons about trying to get into the, the top five. Or if you are, for example, an Anthony Joshua, that is looking for top-level op- uh, opponents that aren't necessarily championship elite, someone with a bit of aspiration, somebody that wants to break into it, someone that's going to ask you a few questions. Michael Hunter's perfect. Absolutely perfect um, for, for for an Anthony Joshua opponent, in my opinion. Stop Martin Bacoli, if you remember. I know I know Bacoli pulled out of that fight, but he, he lost he lost in a TK. It was a TKO in the tenth round. That's the only headline you need to know. Um, and as you say, listen, he's been in with some of the best heavyweights, and you know he, he went the distance with Alexander Povetkin, got robbed of a decision against Povetkin out in Saudi Arabia. Michael Hunter's a legit guy, and it just baffles yeah, me why no one brings him up. He's only six foot two. It's not like he's a fucking six eight man mountain, you know, Wiley Zhang that everyone's terrified of. So, yeah, it, it's baffling. Hopefully, he does get back in the mix. I would much prefer him to be fighting the likes of Anthony Joshua or even a Fury or whatever if they're fucking marking time, keeping busy, rebuilding. I think he's perfect. I think Dillian White's the obvious fight, but. You know, we're, we're, we're being told that Dillian White's priced himself out of the fight. This is all baffling because Dillian White became a free agent and Dillian White was speaking to everybody and Dillian White decided to go with Eddie Hearn because Eddie Hearn said, we can get you the 
anti-Joshua fight. So that's why he signed with Matchroom. That's why he went on the zone because he was getting the anti-Joshua rematch. And then when the anti-Joshua rematch rears its head, Dillian White prices himself out. But as it... That's what we're being told. That's what we're being told. But being told well, he wants 10 million. Yeah, but what, 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 the, what the fact is, is that the worth of Anthony Joshua Dillian White today in 2023, right, Correct. is not what it was last year or the year previous. And that, with all due respect, is down to both of their values diminishing. They Correct. ain't the same dudes no more. We've just got to tell it as it is. We've just got to be straight. So if he's still got in his head, right, I've got a value of X, Y, and Z, of which, what did he get for Fury? Five, five mil? Something like that. Yeah, but he was a he was he was a mandated WBC challenger, wasn't he? Yeah, so but yeah, but mandatory there was a negotiation what, there. Yeah, but yeah, but mandatory was an 80-20 split on the purse, wasn't it? If you remember, yeah. there was all that talk about purses, and we had a little bit of a moan about all this types of stuff, right? So let's say he walks away. I think it was five mil. I'm, I, I remember that figure. I apologize if I'm factually incorrect, but I think it's around five million, right? So yeah, let's say that that that's his ballpark, right? I thought Tyson Fury. And I've done it at when uh, I've done it at uh, it would Spurs that one, weren't it? And we've got f- fucking five million, five million quid for that. So if that's his ballpark in his head, and he's got Anthony Joshua as a com- a bigger commercial star than Tyson Fury, he ain't going less than five million quid, then is he? No. But in reality, it ain't worth five million quid, with all due respect, because one Tyson Fury not you out. You're not the same dude. You're not in the same position. And you're not fighting Tyson Fury. You're fighting Anthony Joshua, whose star has also fallen since that point. He's lost to uh, Usyk since that fight that Dillian White had with uh, Fury. And he looked less than amazing against Franklin, didn't he? So the value of that fight in the public's eyes has diminished. The fight's there for him. If he wants to fight, he could have the fight. And I think he should take it. I think it's the perfect fight for him. <clears throat> because yeah. it, if you beat Anthony Joshua at this stage, you're back in the game, really, aren't you? You're, you're back in the big game. Yeah. The WBC and and Sullivan, funny to mention him, I'll bring him back up again, has announced this morning, by the way, that um, they will not be calling a mandatory contender for Tyson Fury anytime soon. Well, April was mandatory. So we've gone over a have we gone over yeah, we've gone over a year. Because Dillian White 2022 was, was as mandatory, Dillian White. So we're now heading into July 2023. So why why are they doing that? Why are they not calling 15 that? months 15 months on. Why well they called think... they, they called it they called an eliminator, didn't they? They said that um, Deontay Wilder and Andy Ruiz were supposed to fight each other in order to become the eliminator for yeah. Tyson Fury. And then that all didn't materialise, I think, because Andy Ruiz has got... I don't know where Andy Ruiz's head's at right now. So that didn't materialise because of that. Is that is it because of that? Is it because they don't have this number one? Or is it because there's all this talk from the Middle East as to... Bingo. Those particular fights happening, and there might be some decent sanctioning fees that come their way if all those fights happen. I think what you'll find is that there's conversations with Tyson Fury that don't necessarily involve anybody in, in the rankings of boxing. And they'll have spoken to WBC and they'll have said, Listen, leave our mandatory for now. Let the Gypsy King go and perform in a circus. We'll all make a shed load of money, and that will streamline path straight into a potential big fight in Saudi Arabia at the end of the year, of which you will get your 3%, as long as you don't call a mandatory. Why would they call a mandatory? Why would they call a mandatory and risk potentially the unification fight and their 3% of Saudi Arabian money? That's pure Who is the, the, what it is. The, who's the WBC number one? Is it Wilder? Wilder, I believe, yeah. I think it's Wilder, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, listen, this heavy, uh, listen this heavy weight... I'm not clamouring to see a, thir- a, a fourth Wilder fight. You know, I think Tyson Fury has proven once and for all he's better than Deontay Wilder. I think there's other fights out there I want to see. I want to see those questions answered first before I see Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder fall, which I think you could certainly sell it. But Mm. what has Deontay Wilder done to deserve that shot? You know, he blew blew away Robert Hellenius. 
who left his chin open in the air in the most ridiculous fashion. That's all we've seen him do in October last year. Mm. We're in a really weird position, aren't we? Because this Saudi Arabian thing... Just put everything has, on lockdown. Well, it's distorted everything. It's distorted everybody's brains. It, it's, it, it's distorted fan expectation. You can't make... For example, if you're Saudi Arabia, right? Um, and you've got a big pot of cash and you're talking about, right, we want to do Tyson Fury versus Alexander Usyk. We want to do Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder. Of course, us as fans, we sit here and we salivate at that. We all want to see both of those fights. They would be amazing, right? But there's absolutely no way that they can make solid offers to any of those fighters if, the, if indeed these fighters are now starting to talk about interim fights. So Anthony Joshua's starting to talk about, I want to fight in August. Um, Deontay Wilder, I think, spoken about wanting to fight in September. Fury's done a very similar thing. Usyk, as we know, is taking his mandatory against uh, Daniel Dubois at the end of August. So you, when you've got fights in the in between the end game, how can you make a monetary offer? Because you don't know what people's value is going to be. We're talking about heavyweight boxing. So these people that are supposedly fighting in this interim period, what if this is a this is a wild throwout, right? A wild, wild throwout. What if Daniel Dubois does knock out Alexander Usyk? I ain't saying he is going to do. I ain't saying he is. But what if he does? That whole fucking thing in December is fucked. It's it's absolutely fucked. So there's no way that anybody in the Middle East can say right. Mr. Usyk, thank you very much for signing with uh, Skills Challenge, as we know you already have done. We, we're going to offer you this. Do what you want in the interim. Do what you want, mate. But we're offering you this. We'll see you in December. You can't do that because you never know. It's heavyweight boxing. Every the, the, the path has got to be clear for them to start making some serious offers. I don't think you're going to see some serious offers until September, October. All this chat, all, this com- all these constant questions towards promoters are irrelevant because they can't answer them because there will not be any solid offers until September, October time, once all these interim fights that people are talking about are out the way. And as you've just alluded to there, you think one of them is going to the circus. Yeah, I think Fury will end up doing something with Francis and Ganny or John Jones. I really do. Um, and I think, I can't see Usyk versus um, Dubois even happening. Why? I don't think it will happen. I just don't think it will happen. Financially, is it worth it? Is it worth Usyk? Well, then he'll lose his WBA belt, then, won't he? Because he... Are we asked? No, we're really not asked. No, no, no. That's not the flying fuck. The reason why I think it does happen is because Usyk does. Usyk is asked. Usyk is asked about undisputed. So do you think the WBC, the WBA would go, nah, sorry, we want Dubois to fight you for that WBA belt? Otherwise, we're stripping you the belt. And you go, okay, then strip me the belt. I'm fighting Fury in November in Saudi Arabia for a, for a $80 million. So strip me. You won't get your 3% of that. Go and give it to Dubois to take on Joe Joyce in a rematch at the Copper Box worth about $4 million. Get your 3% of Less that than instead. That. Get your 3% million. of that WBA. And I'll, meanwhile... It means I save three percent of my seventy million that I'll get in November. So see a WBA. There you go. Take your belts. You see how fucking quickly they pull back. Then you see how quickly they pull back. Because as Mister Spence highlighted, what's the three percent for? It's the three percent. Oh. So men get rich. No, Maurizio's posted what the three percent goes to. He's put it on his. Oh, uh, he's put it on his social media. Interesting read Private for everybody. Jets. Good. Yeah, going up a little bit, but not. Listen, you're being cynical today, you. You're being cynical. I think Usyk and Dubois does happen in Poland at the end uh, of uh, of August. But like, I, I stand firm on what I've just said. You can't give solid offers to these elite heavyweights if they're having interim fights. Or the path has got to be clear. It's got to be your next fight is this, and this is the offer because this is the value that you are right at this moment in time. And this conversation all stemmed from what is happening with Anthony Joshua and Dillian White and whether that is going to happen or whether it's not going to happen. It's going to be interesting to see what that opponent is uh, come uh, August the 12th, isn't it? Um, but should we get back onto Belanger and Quigley? I don't think AJ will fight in August. There you go. There's another one. I'm being cynical again. I don't even think we'll see AJ fight this summer. I really don't. I really don't. 
So are you okay? Every you... division, man, drives me mad. Right. Well, let's move off it and let's get yes, into um, Belanga versus Quigley this weekend. New York City, uh, the uh, the destination. Now, right? You all, you were all here. Well, I say you were all here. If you're a new listener to the Fight Disciples podcast, you might not have, uh, you might not know about this. At the start of every single year, me and Nick sit down and we talk about the year to come, what we predict, but, uh, make some outlandish predictions, and we also say, right, here's one to watch for the next twelve months. Now, a couple of years ago. Uh, my one to watch was indeed Edgar Belanger. I think he'd had about 11 at this particular time, right? So the, the spiel that I gave... Stopped everyone. Yeah. yeah, and he carried on doing so. So everybody was like going, whoa, yes, Adam, great, great prediction. So then me and Nick made the trip to America, didn't we? That's right. We made the trip to America to go meet Edgar Belanger, have a little bit of a chinwag, and watch him in action. And then he started putting in decision. And we and we were forewarned we, as well. This was going to happen. Yes, yes, we were. Right, so, um, Edgar Belanger, 16 straight first round knockouts. Sensational. Everybody's giddy. Now, you look at it and you think, is it padded? Well, yes, some of it is. But as we got to 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, we're looking at lads that have got winning records, lads that can do a bit, and Edgar Belanger was still finding a way to put them over in that first round. Top stuff. We rock up in America, right? We go and spend the day with Tiafimo Lopez, didn't we? And as we were spending the day with Tiafimo Lopez, there were a few other kids working in the gym and we're all chatting around. And then the conversation starts to get on to what's happening at the weekend. And Edgar Belanger was on the undercard of Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. I'm sure it was a Tyson Correct. Fury, Deontay it was. Wilder fight. It was, yeah. So we start talking about Edgar Belanger with people in the gym. And a few of them start like raising their eyebrows and smiling and giving us a few points and said, listen, the kid's got power. There's no doubt about the kid having power. Absolutely. But if you withstand that power for six to nine minutes, you'll break his heart and then you can go to work on him because the kid can't box. Really? All oh, right. Okay. Then. Well, we're, we're, to be fair, we need to see him do some rounds because he's knocking everybody out in the first round. But yeah, okay, mate. I think there's a little bit. Of, I, I disagree with you. Anyway, turns around. We went and sat in the Team Mobile Arena that weekend and we watched him get outboxed. He got a decision, <laughs> but we saw him got outboxed. And shocker. we also saw him get dropped in the ninth round. In his fight, we're talking about Caceres, it was, that mm -hmm. we, uh, we saw him fight. And Caceres was very unlucky on that particular night. Uh, to not take it, especially with dropping him in the ninth round. Anyway, Belanga gets the decision. I come away thinking, he's had a bad night at the office. Okay, dust yourself off. Let's get back to it. And as well as that, the day after, if you remember, when we were in the airport, we saw him with his arm all strapped up. So there's an yeah. injury there and you're thinking, okay, fair enough. He's yeah. just had a bad one last night. We'll let it go. He's had another three since then. And he's flattered to deceive in them three too. Yes, he's won the won the fights and he and he's taken points decisions, but it's not been what we well, in my opinion, it's what not it been what, what I thought he was. All right. So there's a few alarm bells that have, have been ringing in and around the Edgar Belanga train. Now, he's obviously had a promotional switch. He's come away from top rank. He's now signed up with Matchroom. And I've got to be honest, it raised some eyebrows for me. I'm thinking, that's I get it, right? He's got this great personality. He's got this, you know, this Puerto Rican thing going on. He's young. He's a good-looking bastard. He's flash. It, it it works. It works. I get it. And he's got, and on paper, you look at it, and you've got 16 first-round knockouts, that monster, all this type of shit. Yeah, great. But I'm not sold. And I he was my guy. Two, three years ago, I was banging the drum for it. I, I just, I've just seen a, too many things pop up where I think, I I don't know if he is what I thought he was. This is massive this weekend. I really yeah. believe this is absolutely huge for him this weekend. My takeaways from Belanga over the last year, two years in particular, are this. He loves the idea of being a boxer. Does he love being a boxer? Now, what I mean by that is, is he in that gym, doing the graft, working on his technique 24-7, or is he out posing in nice cars, wearing nice chains, being, you know, Floyd-esque or what people mm -hmm. perceive Floyd to be? Floyd puts the fucking graft in behind the scenes in order to allow that to be its thing. 
This is big for Belanga this weekend. I like him. I think he's a lovely kid. He can crack, obviously. But Quigley, if he's switched on mm. and he's and he's up for this, if Quigley's up for this and he's switched on to it and he can weather a storm for nine to 12 minutes, he is well in this fight. He is well in it and he could cause a fucking upset this weekend. I think in a in a strictly boxer match, I think Jason Quigley takes him to school. I really does. He's just got way too much experience, both amateur and pro. Um, and it's kind of experience that Belanga falls short on. I think Belanga, the worst thing that happened to him, seriously, was that decision that he should have lost against Caceres going in his favour. Do you reckon? I think if he'd, if he'd have lost that night, he'd have put his feet right back on the ground. He would have let him know there's still a lot of work to do, let him know to go back to the gym. But since then, he's just done enough against Steve Rolls. He's just done enough against Angulo. And again, they're, they're, they're decent level opposition. Don't get me wrong. Very similar opposition to Caceres and maybe even Quigley. And he's got his arm raised. The problem is when you continue to get your arm raised when you should have lost a fight, you're not going to overhaul what you're doing because as far as you're concerned, oh, well, I've come to championship level. Now, you know, people have got better chins but I'm still winning. That's all that matters. This is still right. Going out and partying still right. Behaving the way I am still works because I'm not losing fights. I just need to make that adjustment to bring the power up to championship level as well. And he may well, well we do We don't know if he's partying. The perception No, no. The perception flash. of that. Exactly. Yes. But what I want to say yeah. is that the Edgar Belanga, almost like... You know, my hero when I was first coming through as a journalist and I stumbled across uh, Puerto Rican based out of the US called Kermit Cintron that yeah. knocked everybody out in the first fucking 15, 20 fights. Very similar to Belanga, all first round knockouts. And I, I thought, you know, this is it. I've undiscovered, I've discovered a gem that no one's <laughs> heard of yet. And I'm going to sing his name from the rooftops. And then when he becomes the fucking guy, I'll be like, I've been telling you this is the guy for years. Very similar. And I was like, this is the guy, this is the guy, this is the guy. And he got to championship level and he got chinned. And then the rest of his career, it was either he gets chinned or he chins you. The mm -hmm. thing with Belanger is he looks like he's trying to evolve his style to be a little bit more defensive, a little bit more of a boxer. But mm -hmm. he will never beat the likes of Quigley in a boxing match. In my opinion, he's got he's to hit him, he's got to chin him. Yeah, yeah. He's, got to, he's got to do what he does best. To realize, and that might mean he loses some fights, but it will make him an attraction. Kermit Sintron remained an attraction, even though he was sometimes getting knocked out. Could you buy a ticket? Because someone's getting the fucking carried out of there. So you're going to buy a ticket to watch the guy fight. And then what Belanga's trying to do is he's trying to mitigate the risk of throwing bombs, and he's eking his way through fights. But it's certainly um, at least one of those occasions, he's got a home decision. Now, don't get me wrong, he's now signed with the zone and matchroom, and this is a matchroom card, and you could argue mm. the, the situation's going to be very similar here. Jason Quigley is no mug, man. Jason Quigley is a very experienced fighter, amateur and pro. You know, won a bunch of shit as an amateur. Yeah. Turn pro, has done really well as a pro. I think he's only been stopped once. Lost, I think, Andre. Bubu Andrade's the only person to stop him. And Andrade's an enigma, man. Uh, if Andrade turns up, he can be quite special. It's just getting him in the ring is the fucking hard part because he's literally a ghost. Um, and I think the, the other loss on his record, I think he was, did he get stopped? Was it three knockdowns or he, an injury? Or there was, there was a reason why that stoppage come. So Quigley will fancy this. It's a good main event because Fid Quigley will be absolutely game. Has Belanga learned enough from those near miss defeats? to develop his game and go to the next level. Because that's all we're waiting for. We're waiting for Edgar Belanga to go to the next level now. It's all good and well knocking out club-level fighters. When you get to championship-level fringe fighters, if you can't knock them out, what are you going to do next? Mm. Okay, you've, you've, fought, you've had the rub of the green because you're the golden boy enough times now. What are you going to do next? And that's the big question for me. I'll be tuning in to see, can Edgar Belanga set the kind of traps that he will need to to knock out Jason Quigley? Can he knock Quigley out? Million percent. Is he intelligent enough like Andre was to set mm. the traps to knock Quigley out? That's what I need to see from Belanga. Otherwise, Quigley could and could quite comfortably box his head off from the performances I've seen of Belanga of late.
So I, it's it's a it's a good main event. I'm interested in it. Yeah, same. I think it's a good main event as well because of everything that you've just pointed out there. There's questions over Belanga, and I think Quigley. I think Belanga will overlooked him a touch. You know, I think you can't because he's Quigley because he's talking him. Canelo, isn't he? He's talking yeah. Canelo all this time. If he's overlooked him in any way, shape, or form, Quigley could do him. Crazy talking about Canelo, by the way. I get it, generates headlines and everything else, but just fucking be careful what you wish for, man. Jesus Christ. Because mm. Canelo would, would run through Belanga like a dose of salts. I agree. Kalnaki's um, back. Jesus Christ. I thought he was I thought he was retired, working on a building site somewhere in fucking New Jersey. Where did he dig up him up from? Hey, I thought he was done. But he's back apparently. <laughs> What did you make of the card? There's nothing really there to get excited about. It's about the main event, really, isn't it? Of course, listen, it's about the main events. Kaunaki puts bums on Sita. Kabalanga puts bums on Sita. It'll probably do well. I'm guessing it'll, t- I'm guessing it's in the, in the Hulu centre. Um, so I'm expecting theater, it to be yeah. a, de- a decent crack in there. But yeah, you know, they, they, everybody else is a novice on the card, really, in, in fights they should win. But again, I, I, this isn't the UFC. It's not about the card. It's about the main events. The main event for me... I like it. I like Quigley. Yeah. I think Quigley will have a good following. An Irishman in New York, what's not to love? The Puerto Rican and New Yorker in the main event. It's going to generate numbers. Kalnaki brings a load of polls in who believe he's capable of fighting somewhere except on a building site. Great, mate. Make loads of noise. It'll be mega. But I'm only interested in those 12 rounds of the main event. You're right. If Quigley's coming out for the fifth round and he's fresh and he hasn't been on the floor, I think this could be the one Belanga falls short on. Is it 12 or 10? I thought it was a 10 round of this. Let me have a look. 12 on box rack. There you go then. There you go. Oh, it's the NABO super middleweight title. That's why it's the Nash, it's the American bollocks title. Shh, whatever. Shh, don't, don't mention shh, that. Shh, shh. Right. There you go. There's your boxing this weekend. Um, we will post uh, the the location for you to be able to watch Franco versus Ioka because that's the fight of the weekend. Decent little card. Uh, that Showtime are running for Adamez, uh, Williams, Martinez, and Bonea. And then, of course, the zone is your destination for Belanga versus Quigley. Really interested in that. I really am interested in seeing if Belanga has learnt, and if he hasn't, can Quigley take advantage? Should be an half-decent weekend uh, in mm-hmm. the squared circle. Squared circle? In the boxing ring. Don't know why I said square circle. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for tuning in. You can subscribe to us uh, via our website, fightdisciples.com. All audio feeds are there. There's a link to our YouTube as well. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. That's where we're trying to grow. So if you prefer to watch your stuff, we are there every single week, twice a week at the moment, and more stuff coming as well in uh, the not-too-distant future. So make sure you subscribe via our website, fightdisciples.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.